I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, R.J. Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. R.J. Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. Road game again. I'm currently in Times Square. I can look out my window, and there was a college band playing. I don't hope they're gone now. I think you can hear it, but you can see like the mood lighting from Times Square, mm-hmm. me, my hotel room. I kind of dig it. Yeah, you can just sit back and be like, "Ooh, someone's paying for sex." Yeah, and that's what that guy's gonna be me. Just kidding. Uh, it was so ironic when the schedule came out because the UFC goes to Madison Square Garden the second week of every November, right? Every election week, I'm always here for election week for whatever reason. And I was like, oh, sweet. They're playing the Giants the Sunday before and the Jets the next day. The two New York New York teams like, oh, smack. Do I go there really early and catch the Giants game in New York? Or do I stay a day later and catch the Jets game in New York? It's like, oh. They're they're both both <laughs> That's just your luck, sir. That's just how the ball bounces. But it's also probably a blessing in disguise because whenever I go to a Raider game, the Raiders lose. So I think it's the Raiders are just avoiding me wherever I am. Yeah, get out of the right? opposite coast. Let's just stay away. Let's just stay away from this guy because he's he a mush. Me, he's he a mush. Ooze, he oozes lose. He's a lose a loser. Question of the day. I haven't done one for a while. Pin it down in the comment section. Halfway through the season, who is the Raiders' unsung hero? I wasn't going to say MVP, but I think it's Max Crosby and there's Max no close second. Like, who would be like? Who would even be second? Yeah, it's hard. They played so, but they've played so poorly. Like I couldn't even like whoever second is is like Jacoby Myers, like, Daniel Carlson, AJ Cole. Like yeah, it's tough because they played Antonio they Pierce played after one bad. game. <laughs> like who would who would it be? and not that there aren't guys that have improved a little this season or got you know guys that we didn't expect much from that are playing better. Like there's there's bright spots but it was like max was like okay how about this the most unsung hero for the raiders so far after nine games you want to go first or second Soto? uh i'll take a swing at it swing away my unsung hero is i think hunter renfro i did not expect that i can't wait to hear your explanation all right, I'm, I'm trying to make a reason to make him that because he deserves a lot more. He was open so much. <laughs> he got so freaking open. We didn't hear him. We didn't see him hang his head. Mm-hmm. We didn't see him pout. We didn't see him like he was like the prototypical guy just getting in there, doing his work, and it not working out for him. He was like, the Patriot way gone wrong. That was him. People like to think Devonte Adams, but no, because he was the one that was like, you know, jumping around and like slamming his home and stuff like that. That's not the Patriot way. The Patriot way is what Hunter Renfro did and showed why the Patriot way is complete and utter BS. Because he did everything they asked of him and he still didn't produce. They still didn't throw him the ball. He was open. He practiced. He was there. He didn't complain. 
and still nothing. So uh, that just showed, I think, kind of like encapsulated how poor the Patriot way or Josh McDaniels version of the Patriot way is just it's it's hypocritical. It's it's all nepotism and it's just BS. Which is so ironic because this regime is the one that paid Hunter Renfro and then decided to Patriot way him. Yeah. Like it's one it's one thing to inherit a contract you don't like and you're like, oh, what are we gonna do with this? But it's like, oh yeah, here we go. Here's a great, great contract for a slot receiver, and now you're gonna collect dust on the sidelines. A thirteen million you know dollar dust caster. If he collected dust, it would be one thing, but he got in games and he got open mm-hmm. and he was still not he he still wasn't given the ball. It's just uh it's 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 what you see when somebody is coaching with their ego is coaching with them in mind first instead yep. of the team in mind that that's you see stuff like that uh, i i have a kind of a tongue-in-cheek um kind of pissy one and then like a serious one i mean mine, mine was pretty sarcastic but yeah go right ahead. i think i can even beat you mine's my sarcastic was jimmy garoppolo because he ushered in even quicker josh mcdaniel's getting fired because oh god yeah it's true there was a point where he had missed 10 quarters of football and still led the NFL in interceptions. Like that is, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty damn impressive to be that bad. Um, what was the worst, what was a worst quarterback game? Was it Garoppolo against the lions or was it Carr against the saints last year? Who had more? Tur- I, th- I think did Jimmy have Jimmy had three picks that game, right? Well, against the Lions, the Lions, right? Wasn't it three? I think it was two. Two, okay. And what did Carr have against the Saints? Because I remember, I, I'm trying to remember. Like, I know he didn't get cross half the 50 yard line, but I don't remember him being like super fumbly Carr that he's been in bad games. Keep talking. I'll find it. Checking. You check. Um, so yeah. Jimmy G string for um, close, though, I'll tell you that here making, making Josh McDaniels disappear faster because it was, and it was a whole regime thing, right? Not just, it's not only that he played terrible, but he was brought in as their guy, $33 million guaranteed. And he was also like, you're replacing Derek Carr. Who's better than every quarterback on this roster. Like we can talk about whether he's the guy or not clearly better than anyone we have. And it's like, Oh, you replaced Carr with this guy. Great job. Great job, team. Oh, and there's $33 million. And then you bet, and then he gets benched halfway through. Like the second Antonio Pierce's office still had like Josh McDaniels family photos in it. And Antonio Pierce is like, no, Jimmy G's not the guy. We're putting in Aiden O'Connell. Like that's how fast to turn around. Um, but then and on a serious note, since we can be semi-serious, I honestly say Andre James. Um, this O-line's run blocking has been terrible, but the pass blocking has been far better than we expected. And you know, anything good the O-line does, like because Colton Miller's the best member of the O-line, he gets the accolades, and, and there's reason for that. But I've always believed the second most important player on an offense is the center. And the offense has been terrible, but you never you haven't really been hearing Andre James getting beaten up. Like I said, the pass blocking has been fantastic. Um, you didn't hear like Dexter Lawrence is probably the best nose tackle in football. I don't like. I think it's. I think it's arguable, but I would say he's the best. I think we're going to face the best tackle in football coming up. I technically not a nose, but I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah. Anyway, you, 
I mean, Dexter Lawrence didn't destroy the Raiders at all, right? Andre James, he's holding his own against great players. When Colton, like he, he doesn't win every every matchup, but like when Colt Miller is going up against a Joey Bosa or a TJ Watt, he loses, right? There's multiple plays where he's because he's good, not great, right? Like he Colt Miller's awesome, but when he goes against like all pros, they generally beat him. So I said Andre James just because no one ever talks about him. And when the line seems to you know succeed in ways you didn't expect, he's kind of leading that charge. How's, how's, our, that. how's our research department going? Pretty so. good, man. I got some I got some stats for you. They're eerily similar. Eerily depressingly similar. They're they're pretty depressive. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> Who stepped in deeper dog doo-doo? Derek Carr, Jimmy G string. Okay. Derek Carr last year versus the Saints. 15 of 26 for 101 yards. 15 completions for 101 yards. Mm-hmm. No touchdowns, one interception, one fumble. Okay. Jimmy against the Lions? 10 of 21. Like that's like in the 40%. Yeah. Uh, 126 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. So Carr had the extra turnover. Jimmy had the worst completion percentage. I'm going to call it a tie. It's Let's bad. just go ahead and call this a tie. That's really bad. Jeez, I'm surprised they freaking completed anything with Mick Herpes coaching them. So that's our question of the day. Down on the pin down in the comment section. Let us know. Halfway through the season, who is the Raiders' unsung hero? You can go our, our way with it and find multiple new and fun and exciting ways to body shot the corpse of Josh McDaniels. Or if you got someone serious, let us know. And also, are we way off that there's no one even close to MVP that can even touch Max Crosby? Because the other two all pros aren't doing much because they're on offense and Josh McDaniels poisoned it, right? Like Devontae and Jacobs haven't done much. Do we do you go hey, Mark Davis? Mark Davis are pulling the trigger. I think. Right. <laughs> Mark Davis got us into this mess, but he had the checkbook to get us out of this Look, mess. Bro, he got us into it because he wrote the check. Right, he, he, it's it's his prerogative to, to get us into it. As long as he, he gets us out of it, he wrote the check in and wrote the check out. He's going to be he writing more it. checks to keep getting these guys out of there. Like a like like a, like a grandma on Christmas, just writing the little five dollar <laughs> checks to everybody. <laughs> a little bit more than what your whatever grandma sent me, dude. When I was a kid, I would live off of that that birthday and Christmas check from grandma. I live off that because my birthday is in June, so it was like the oh. perfect like. How much did they give you? God, geez. I got a hundred bucks. And that's what I lived off of for six yeah. months when I was like 10. Pops was like hell bent on not having spoiled kids because he had six of them. So he's like, all right, if you want to yeah, an excuse, I don't want to spoil you guys. You guys no. <laughs> smart man. Oh yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of he had a lot of coaching ha- or a lot of like parenting hacks that oh. worked. Yeah, he had some good ones. I mean, I might make that like a segment every now and then when it's like in the off season or slow. Randall Clifford, this first parenting act. Yeah. Oh, God. He was ruthless. And every time I try to give him crap for it, he's like, hey, I have six kids. Every one of them college educated. Everyone with a career. None of them in jail. None of them addicts. You tell you tell me. And he's like, damn it, Ted, you got me. Every time I want to complain, you're like, yeah. You got you got You can't argue with the results. That's our, that's our fault. We're too good of kids. I blame us. Uh, so Antonio Pierce. 1-0 as a head coach in the NFL, interim or otherwise. 
And I know this is going to be a conversation for a long time. And it's a conversation that won't really heat up until the season is over, but I want to get into it now because I like looking forward with expectations mm-hmm. and not look back mm-hmm. pure hindsight. You know what I mean? Gotcha. How does Antonio Pierce earn the head coaching job permanently for the Las Vegas Raiders? And I mean, there's obvious answers, right? If we like go deep into the playoffs, no question, right? Like we could make it to like the AFC, you know, we we win a game or two and make it to the playoffs, period, would be incredible. Winning a game or two, something like that, winning the division. Obviously, there's like the winning one, right? That's that's the obvious one, and that's fine. But I'm also curious about the about the how and the why, not just the what. I know you've thought about this, Soto. Yeah. So barring making the playoffs, right? Let's just throw that out because that's that's a given. I'd say no, he have to make the playoffs. No, no, no. Okay, I'm saying if if he makes the playoffs, then that year he's going to keep the job. I think I don't think Mark Davis is going to make that same mistake twice. Okay. So let's just throw that out the window because that, that's a big deal, right? Because you know, obviously Bisaccia made the playoffs and didn't get the permanent job. So that means either one of two things: either Antonio Pierce accomplished something tougher than Mark Davis thought he could or Mark Davis has changed. And I'm with you. I think it's let's, let's, let's put a third in option in there. Okay. Antonio Pierce has been a head coach, not just in high school. He was, he was the associate head coach in college as well. The last two years at Arizona state. Uh, so counting associate head coach. Okay. I mean, he's taking head coaching duties. I, 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 he was the number two guy behind Tony Dungy in Arizona state. I mean, he was you mean Herman Edwards or Herman Edwards oh under Tony Dungy. And then now Antonio. he was, he was, facto, you work for me. They're all the same, right? He's the third. Uh, like he was like, he was very, like he was well put out. He's like, I am grooming Antonio Pierce to be the next head coach of this program. Yeah. So he has head coaching experience. He was a defensive coordinator. Um, he, I think he has more high-level coaching experience than Basaccia had. Basaccia was a special teams coach. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, so Basaccia had he, more time and way more experience and time in the league, but but Antonio not Pierce. the high-level experience that Antonio yeah. Pierce had. Okay, and that's playing, one thing. And the playing experience means a lot. Too. And the playing experience as well. Yeah, for sure. So I think if even if we. Don't go above high 500 the rest of the games. The rest of the eight games. Let's say we, we are 500 or worse. Okay. I yeah. can, I still think that we can stick with AP if, if we're playing better as far as like we're losing shootouts or we're losing close games, but the, 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 the team is playing with more heart, with more drive. Um, I think that he'll, he'll still be given a shot. You think, you think the intangibles. Mark Davis is paying more attention to. I think this time around, yes. I think this time around, yes, because I I I know that he values the Raider um, culture more now. He didn't yeah. want to bring he did, he is, he saw someone else's culture trying to come into to what we're doing here with the Raiders, mm-hmm. and he's like he it it, it didn't work. Needless to say, it didn't work. So I don't know that he wants to try that again. I think he really wants to – like who else is he going to get to coach a team that has coaching experience on all levels, uh, 
uh, knows the team, is respected by the team, loves the Raiders, know what the Raiders are about. I mean, that's a lot of boxes that he checks. Well, if you're, and this is the, and this is the thing is, I think we're kind of thinking this backwards, right? Like if I'm, we shouldn't be, if we're Mark Davis, we shouldn't be thinking it in the terms we're thinking of. It shouldn't be what can Antonio Pierce do to earn the job. It should be at the end of the season, who's the best, who's the best, most qualified candidate, right? Like that's, we're thinking it in reverse order, but that's the fun part, right? We're thinking of it in terms of Antonio Pierce. And that's, I think how Antonio Pierce is, is thinking and probably the team as well, because you're saying like, well, who else can there be? There's, there's, there's every year there's good people available, right? Like there's always great defensive coordinators that have been put together great seasons. You know, Harbaugh might be bouncing out of Michigan. Like he's succeeded at every level of football, no matter what, no matter where he goes, he's succeeded. Dude, Goodell is football heading pussy's already nixed that because there's already there's already talk of uh, of him holding up um, any uh, suspensions in college. He has he has to do those if if he goes to the pros. There's already that talk starting to brew up because I don't buy it. He didn't do it for Pete Carroll. He 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 did it for you know why? Because Pete Carroll didn't coach the freaking Raiders. That's why. Guess who he he, guess who he did do it for? Terrell Pryor, who went to the Raiders. Um, I wonder if he has the power to do that. He did it with Terrell Pryor. Yeah. Terrell Pryor had to miss, what, four games, something like that? Six games? No. Yeah, he did. He, he already did it. The precedent has already been set. Mm. So it's a matter of, like, who's who's the best available as part of this equation. But thinking of, of, of these terms going forward, I'm generally with you that the intangible, like, the ability to hit the intangibles and sell Mark Davis on the intangibles – but he needs to up that by saying, I'm going to get a great offensive and defensive coordinator to make up for me not being an X's and O's guy. Like he's got like he's got to be able to sell that. Now, I, I'm with you that I think in things I've read from people who are in the know, Mark Davis, I think, is maybe for the first time in his life. Maybe that's why he kind of cut. You see how he kind of cut his hair a little bit? Like it's not quite as yeah, like a little bit of a fade going like a little taper. Yeah. I thought, he was, I thought he was Dominican. He had that low taper. I was like, this guy. He must have stumbled into like a Puerto Rican barber shop, and they just like went the straight. Bodega that cut hair in the back, right? They just like hit, like changed it up. Like his, he lost his bowl that he normally uses, right? I think for the, I think it's like for the first time ever, Mark Davis has become a little self-aware. He's like, all right, I gotta stop like chasing stars and stop thinking of like the best X's and O's guys, and that football players are computers. And so he's like, yeah, like. Not gonna be Josh McDaniels. It's got to be someone who can motivate. Like I had the great motivator, like Mitch Pisaccio. Rich Pisaccio literally loved his players into making the playoffs. Like that's like pure. Like it's possible, yeah. right? It, you 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 can go really far with that element. Um, so if he if he does go with Antonio Pierce, knowing that he's not you know world's greatest X's and O's guy, Pierce has got to be able to sell to Mark Davis. I think I we're bring selling him short, though, dude. I think we're selling him a little bit short, especially defensively. He was the captain of a Super Bowl-winning team that won because of their defense, of the pressure they can put mm-hmm. on the quarterback with that NASCAR uh, defensive front, with those that NASCAR line. Smart player, but that's not what that's not his reputation as a coach. I don't know that that's right. necessarily the case, because. I mean, Chris Canty said in his interview that he was like legitimately a coach on the field and he would move guys around and change guys and move guys and tell them to do different things. Would would he take over the defense from Patrick Graham? Was that? Would he take over the defense from Patrick Graham? I don't think so. I think Patrick Graham is doing an excellent job. Yeah. I think think that they they work very well together. 
Um, from from I haven't heard any type of grumblings of Patrick Graham, you know, being upset that he was passed over. I, I think it was the smart thing to do because he does have that head coach, coach coaching experience, and I think they can work really well together for sure. I, I, I mean, I think if you keep the same freaking staff, I think we'd be all right, honestly. Well, we're still – I mean, the, the the jury is very much still out on Bo as offensive coordinator permanently. It's been one game. I mean, I I, yeah. I don't want to roll with him for sure. By no means has he – he has not lost the, the the option of being the offensive coordinator, but he, mm-hmm. he's far from earned it, in, in my opinion. He's been one game. So, like, I think if he keeps – I think if he can keep this momentum going, because it's one thing to be like – you know when you just just broke up with a girl and you're like footloose and fancy free, like you're hitting on every chick at the bar. You're just like, I'm going for everything. Like the weight's been lifted off your shoulders and you're spitting great game. Like you got that honeymoon period, but it's like six months later, are you still, are you still like hitting home runs at like the restaurant? Or are you going to last chance crows at 1:55 AM and falling down the bar skank ladder? Right? Like if he can, if it, this if this isn't just this team is super jacked at the witch ding dong the witch is dead and Josh McDaniels and no Antonio Pierce can prove I can carry this like feel good feeling through the rest of the season and as long as I'm coaching he's got to be able to he's got to be able to do that throughout the rest of the season and not just have it be a honeymoon period yeah so um, when I watched was watching the game over again I noticed a couple of things and then I watched J T O'Sullivan's quarterback school podcast mm-hmm. or his his uh, youtube channel which is excellent right by the way you guys should check it out he did one on aiden o'connell there was a lot of issues with the offensive line that aiden o'connell fixed with getting the ball out quickly mm-hmm. um and um a couple of co- conceptual things that didn't make a lot of sense uh that i i noticed when i was um watching the film and then when I watched his show. So there's a couple of things that could be cleaned up by Coach Bo. Uh, I just, from what we saw, it, it wasn't just heart and excitement that, that, that we saw. We saw execution. Mm-hmm. We saw attention to detail. We saw people getting the ball that, you know, we saw a quarterback executing an offense properly. He hit eight, eight different receivers. And even though Devonta Adams was getting double covered every single play, every single play, he still got four catches. So I think it's more than just we were hyped up and, and we ended up winning the game. They they the the offense looked different. There was a lot we lose a lot more motion. We made things easier on the quarterback because they can see what the defense was doing. Uh, we used a lot different uh, personnel packages. We went five wide finally. We haven't done that all season or last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we used um, we used uh, Tucker for more than just uh, you know a jet sweep. We used a jet sweep, but not Tucker, right? No, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it. So we were still. It was more than just like us being hyped. It, it was execution. It was a, a, a better game plan, better play calling. Uh, we only ran, I think, like three or four different running plays. It was just what. What do you guys most? Come, what do you guys? Do the best zone split zone and play zone, action. Zone play it. action. Yeah, that's it. And 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 um, they did like what? What do we call it? It was um, it was a king box or like the uh, the, the the tackle and guard 
and then the the queen blocks are the the guard and center uh on the strong side so they were doing those those different combo blocks ace and block. you put a wig on it's queen yeah. block. <laughs> the, the, the the ace blocks was like the the tackle and, and the and the tight end but they they figured out what they needed to do what what works best okay we'll work those plays out of different formations and even though it's the same running play if it were if it works doesn't matter you're fooling with the formation right so it's more than just hype. It was better coaching. It was better execution. It was better implementation of the same offense. Look, I, I, I'm stoked with a 30 to 6 score, right? Everyone's like, oh, it's the Giants. It's the Giants. Well, you're supposed to beat them that bad. Good teams are supposed to blow out bad teams. And we did, right? Bear with me. Okay. In O'Connell only had 209 yards because it was an offense kind of condensed for him, right? This is like, hey, still a rookie. Doesn't move very well. Doesn't have a rocket. So let's let's condense it. And they did, and it worked, and it was successful. They only had what, like three hundred and seventy total yards, something like that. Like again, or three three hundred and thirty four total yards. Right. Got thirty points. That's what matters the most. No turnovers. Penalties were low. All great things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when we start. When Bo starts, ha- new offensive coordinator Bo has some tendencies that can now be scouted. Are we? Is he going to be able to adjust? When Aiden O'Connell's going to have to win us, we're down ten in the fourth quarter. Can we lean on him to do that? Right. So it's like though, and those are things that come with time, right? Like we didn't have to do any of those things on Sunday. It was great, right? We played a crappy offense. Defense played great. We have to worry about those things. That's what I want to say every time. But there's a lot of things I want to see with time before I say Bo has sold me as offensive coordinator. Well, yeah. I mean, it, we have to see those tendencies so he can break them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really show a lot of tendencies uh, because he used a lot of motion. He used a lot of different formations. So uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to look up stats on how we looked in the second half. We, 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 we pulled the reins in the second half. We're running the ball almost exclusively. We I mean we had we put um, Zeus uh, out there to uh, to run the ball even because I mean he only threw the ball what 20 to 21 times or whatever 25. Uh, 25 times because he didn't really throw it in the second half. I know we're way way off topic now, but how bad of a draft pick was Zeus? Four Bro. carries for negative two yards on Sunday. No. Bro, the, oh, the worst draft pick was uh, your boy from UCLA. We, we could have had freaking Pacheco. Yeah, but I mean that was also a seventh rounder, not a third. You know what I mean? Like that's Still, man. right. Like it was you, pretty you, bad you, either way. You, you didn't. Britton Brown didn't do squat, but we, we used a third rounder on him. This was he wasn't drafted to replace. I'll say this: it was stupid because now it's like that's our seventh running back. <laughs> it's like. Terrible. Horde wide receivers running backs. All right, we're, we're way off topic. Uh, regardless, Antonio Pierce is going to have to hire offensive coordinator, right? Regardless, right? Um, is there a number of wins that guarantee him the job, regardless? So here's the schedule. Um, if he goes, if he goes four and four the rest of the way, I think it's his. That's all. Only four and four. Yeah, that means he okay. went five. He went, that means he went five and four. Okay. Um, 
what do we have? We have the Chiefs twice, and then yeah, we, we have the Jets, Dolphins. Jets, Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Colts, Broncos. Yeah, so we have, you know, we have some tough games out there. Like the both Chiefs games and the Dolphin game is going to be tough. Freaking Dobbs. If Dobbs played the way he played, God bless him. If he played the way he played last week against at, with the Vikings, that's going to be a tough game. The Vikings, when they were like one and four, like this, that's like the best one and four team in NFL history. Yeah, and they didn't have they didn't even have Justin Jefferson, who's going to maybe back in the next couple of weeks. I mean, other like only the Jets and the Broncos would we be even remotely close? Like we're minus we're minus one underdogs to the Jets. We're not even favored over the Jets. We're minus one underdogs. Broncos, we should be favored over. Other than that. We're gonna be pretty. So he's gonna. So maybe you're right. Four and four because it's gonna have to be at least two pretty good upsets. But also, I think the losses will matter too. Like if the Chiefs just throttle us by thirty both times, I can imagine Mark Davis being real pissed at that, not being happy with that at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, if we play well, we don't, we don't. What did you ask me at the beginning of the year? You said, you said. Uh, is that thing in your butt healed yet? Yes, there's that. That was off camera. So on camera, okay. there was um, name a scenario where Mark Davis fires Josh uh, McDaniels midseason, mm -hmm. and I said if he has like three embarrassing losses, that's gonna do it because yeah. losing is one thing, fighting hard, and you know what? It's just we're we're getting there. Where you know we're showing improvement in different places. Yeah, okay. But three embarrassing losses that after that third one is when he when he was gone. So I just think if we don't do that, if we don't have a big time embarrassing loss, you don't go out there and just take a dump. You yep. don't just you know crap the bed. If we if we don't do that and we're in, in games and and you know five and four is nothing to sneeze at, right? Yeah. Um, especially when it's not your staff, it's not you know it's not your hand picked stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You you really want to work. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Champ wasn't you know thrilled about some of the draft picks we picked yeah uh so you know i think i think it's a good move because um uh, it's 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 closer to something that you want to have happen and, and and you see the value of it you see the value of the culture that you're building uh, and it's something that not only the the players but the fans and i think because of the fan the fans are the way they are like max crosby said it on his on his podcast the rush he said that when he was driving into the stadium with he, him, him and Nate Hobbs drove into the stadium at like nine o'clock in the morning for a one o'clock game, and the tailgate was full. The lot, the music was going. He used the food was cooking and everything. And he's like, "Dude, this is it. This is this is like how it was last year when we were winning games." We had, and I, I apologize to who, whatever listener sent us this. Um, I wish I, I could remember and say their name, but they said like, "I can't remember the last time." Oh, it was our uh, boy Benji Case. Casey? Yeah. Ben Casey? Casey? He says, uh, today is the most fun I've had watching a Raiders game since blank. He's like, I on honestly don't know my answer to the question, but certainly not in the last five years. As great as that win was over the Chargers in week 17, it wasn't fun. It was exhausting. The Ravens game on Monday Night Football was great. It was a great game, but fun. So, this was the first game. Like, when was the last time a game was this fun where you went in with optimism you were excited for everything that was happening. The players mirrored it, and and we got a blowout. We blew yeah. like like the game. Like I said, I told you, I landed in Brazil at or from Brazil at halftime. I finally got Wi-Fi. I look at my phone; it's twenty-four to zero. 
I'm like waking strangers up next to me on the plane. Hey, you believe this? Antonio Pierce, we go, my God. Like, it's like, when is it like we've, like I said, we've had some amazing, we had some pretty awesome wins in the last few years. Yeah. But we had some great wins to get excited about. It was like, like that Ravens game on Monday night to open up uh, John Gruen's last season. We were just like, we had to, we had to go to the bar to just like calm down. Yeah, I remember that. The like, like we had to get ourselves out of cardiac arrest versus mm-hmm. just fun. Just a like it was fun going in. It was fun while it was happening. It was fun coming out. Like who gets cigars after beating the Giants midseason? After bro, bro, he got the cigars before the game. He didn't get them afterwards. He got them before. Yeah, yeah. Smoke them at those points. And I think like, and for all the like fun police out there, you know what a dumb job they have. The fun police. They just, this is a, a good number of like media and creators and fans out there. They're just like prowling around looking for reasons to be like be upset at celebration, which I don't understand. You got to get like they weren't celebrating; they beat the Giants. They were ushering in a new era. Like, why do you get cigars when you have a kid? It's not that you're like celebrating achievements. Like you got a promotion or you won a game. It's just you're ushering in an era. Yeah. Right? It's not champagne. There's a reason that's a cigar. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about with that with Antonio Pierce. Because look, one thing that was different, that that game with Gruden was huge. But that game was about Gruden. Yeah. Everything was about John Gruden, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that Chargers thing was more about Staley messing up than anything else as far as coaches go. it's like, all right, we'll give you the tie. Wait, you're gonna call a timeout and be sneaky about it? Cool, let's try this. They kick this field goal. But this Antonio appears uh, said it from the very beginning. This is about the players. It's not about me. It's not about the coaches. It's not about champ. Nothing. It's about the players. It's about the players going out there and having fun. It's about the players going out there and 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 keeping in the front of our minds what it is to be a Raider. I said this too. I said this too that in the beginning of the year. Devontae Adams, keeping him on the team is huge because he's the guy that can pass on that knowledge of what it is to be a Raider fan from the very beginning Yeah, and what it is to be a Raider. You guys were too young. You didn't know. You, you never went to the black hole, whatever, right? This is what it was like. This is what Raider fans are like. If you play well, if, if we, we play with heart, if we go out there and leave it all on the field, this is how they're going to treat us. So that above anything else is, I think, what Mark Davis is looking for. Because if he can keep his fan base happy while he's building a winner, I think that's a double win for him. So keeping that culture, knowing somebody that you can look back and say, this guy was a Raider from the beginning. We the Raiders do things their own way. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't do things the way anyone else does. When they try, it just didn't work. John Gruden was, you know, indoctrinated into the Raider way. Then he left and did his own thing in Tampa. And then he was like, then he became bigger than than what he thought probably bigger than football. He had his shows. He had you know Monday Night Football. Like he became the he became the star. It's not about it's not about Antonio Pierce anymore. It's about the shield and it's about the players. That's it. Well, one thing that hasn't been the Raider way the last twenty years has been good defensive play. That's hasn't been the mo. Of the hell you say. Play. I know. Shock. Gasp. I'm glad you're sitting down because I didn't want you to faint while standing from the absolute bomb I just dropped on you verbally. 
But this season has been very unique where the defense, while definitely not good, is becoming something, and I don't know what it is. So the Raiders' defense as of right now, we're recording this November 8th at 8.16 p.m. West Coast time, 2023. Right now, the Raiders' defense, 19th in points per game, 31st in rushing yards allowed per game, 8th in passing yards per game, 21st in takeaways, and I know we just just had eight sacks on Sunday, but that now bumped us up to 13th in sacks. Top 10 passing defense, top half sacks, bottom half in takeaways and points per game, and atrocious rushing yards per game allowed. What is this defense? What? How do we explain what this defense is? Because it's gone from no other way to describe it other than god-awful. Mm-hmm. Paul Gunther years, um, Gus Bradley. Even the Gus Bradley years had identity. We didn't give up big plays. We were bad at everything else. But we didn't give up big plays. There was some identity there. And this season, we haven't given up big plays. I think we're first in big – I didn't I didn't look up the deck stat. Yard, yeah, I think we're first. And like 20, 20 yard, yeah, 20 yard pass. Level, we're still like last. We're not giving up big plays. But now it's becoming something, Soto. It's, mm-hmm. it's a conglomeration of things. And albeit we faced mostly terrible offenses so far. We've got some good ones coming up. What is this defense now? And is it something we like? Is it something that's sustainable? And there and is there light at the end of this tunnel? Um, well, short answer, yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think the most accurate way to describe this defense is unbalanced. Mm-hmm. We are we are built to stop the pass. We have the the vision of Patrick Graham and to some extent, you know, Dave Ziegler of building a ball hawking secondary, we're starting to see it. We're mm-hmm. starting to see it, it come to light. The guys are coming together. Um, the reason why we give up so many running yards is because teams don't want to pass against us. The, the pass rush is good. It's, it's Max and whoever else can get there, basically. And it, they just they know that, okay, if we, if we just – Get in the shotgun and this, you know, start flinging the ball around. It's not going to end well for us because it just takes one max hit on our quarterback and could be a pick six. You know, could get our quarterback hurt. Like they're playing smarter against us because of the sacks, because of the pressure. I think the pressures and hurries are are we're, we're really high up in the league as well. Um, number one. Yeah. So it's. Teams are game planning to run the ball against us. And because of that, they're having some success doing it. Uh, and the reason why we're doing so well against the pass is because, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a tag team effort of the secondary stepping up, um, you know, towards maybe after the, the first three or four games. And uh, Max and the rest of the crew, you know, really peaking their game up. I mean, we had three sacks from defensive tackles last game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just all Max and the guys on the outside. And guys, so Max had three sacks, and they were maybe his three least impressive sacks of the season. Yeah, a, a blown out knee blown by knee. a guy <laughs> running out of bounds, and he touched him. Okay, yeah. and there's another one where like someone else got the pressure, and Devito just like fell into his lap, and he just like took him down, which yeah. is fine because Lord knows he's earned more than earned his other sacks. So it's you know we always regress back to the mean. 
it was just hilarious. Like he had like the three least impressive, like the, the least impressive three sack game ever of the most impressive player in football. The funniest thing was he was chasing DeVito and DeVito went out of bounds and he's a rookie. So he went out of bounds like one yard behind the line of scrimmage. And Max looks around and there's nobody else there. And he's like, yes, yeah. I got his sack. <laughs> but didn't even touch him. He just walked him out of bounds. He was, he was the closest guy. So he got the sack. You got a Tyree Wilson sack. <laughs> no, Tyree Wilson actually freaking hit him. Um, so there's that. I also think too, like the the run, the run thing is really going to be an issue, and it's also also because I think the, the def- offenses just know our linebackers and defensive tackles is that's the weak spot of the defense. This is right up the middle against these guys. I think we're just like a decent linebacker away from making this a, you know, or maybe like was it Sil- Silvera that played a little bit that seventh round that seventh rounder rookie that we picked mm-hmm. up from Arizona. Um, he had a pretty nice game, like not one that you see in stat sheets. The the tape don't lie, guys. Did a really good breakdown of him. Uh, how he's just eating double teams all all stout, day long. Too, stout. And Spillane was like just not being blocked and then just getting tackles right. So it's like, I it it's not a quick fix issue this run defense, but I think there's I think there's pieces that are improving it, and it's amazing what a great defensive tackle can do to a defense. Like it's really. It's it's because everyone always thinks, oh, like amazing edge rusher, get after the quarterback, a shutdown corner. It's like, yeah, like you got one side of the of the line that a pass rusher can go for. And if you have a great corner, you can shut down one wide receiver. But like a great defensive tackle stops the run, could pass rush the passer like he just like eats up blockers. It's just yeah, such a shame. It's such a shame we didn't get Jalen Carter. Is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> I, I I know I know what you're getting at. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah. you know J- Jenkins was playing really well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he wasn't eating up double teams, but he was making it hard. He wasn't getting blocked. He was you know getting in the backfield a lot, and you, you need a mix of that because I mean you want to have your linebackers be able to run free. You want the, their feet to be clean, right? Uh, it's it's a big thing. Like when you notice a lot of your linemen. Or like at the top of the team that game in, in tackles, that's because you know they're putting in most of the work. You don't want to have your DBs and shit. You don't want to. Oops, there we go. You don't want to have your DBs, uh, you know, leading the team in tackles. That's why I was like, when Jonathan Abram was like leading the team in tackles like every freaking week, I'm like, that's not a good thing, dude. That's mm-hmm. not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but now we see a lot of uh, a lot of the linemen were up there because they were getting in the backfield, so. Uh, we got another good one coming up. We had, you know, Saquon was good. It, was, it played really well. He she showed some burst, and Brees Hall, man, that guy's that guy's a stud. It's it's a weird. It's like a motley. It's it's not a team that I feel like. Like Patrick Graham is doing a good job of what he's got, right? Like he's got this conglomeration of players that some are bad draft picks, some are free agent signs that didn't work, some are free agent signs that did work, some are, you know. They're just bad scheme fits. Do you like who, who, are the, who are the run blockers? Are they? Who are the run stoppers? Stuffers, right? Yeah. Like you got a rookie. You know, like I mean, you you don't have that guy on your that 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 big belly guy. You need that guy. Well, and, and it's not a it's not a cohesive unit. It's like it's not like all right, we're a team that's all built to do this thing or like. That's you why know. I use them balanced. That's why I use them balanced. And so I, I, I it, it's a it's a. I don't know. It's like a it's like a pirate ship. It's uh, fittingly, right? It's the Raiders. It's just like a band of mercenaries thrown together that aren't rowing in the right direction, but they're not rowing against each other. 
Like Amik Robertson, he's gonna like he's gonna give up a big play early and then get scrappy later. Uh, Trevon Merrick isn't gonna give up big plays, but he's not gonna make a lot of big plays. Um, Spillane, if he can keep his feet cleaned, to, to use your term, he'll get you a lot of tackles, but he's pretty easily blocked. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like all kinds of like. It's not a group that was put together as a bunch of puzzle pieces that make one picture. It's just a bunch of a bunch of machetes all kind of going in different directions, and hopefully they'll land on, a, on the guy with the ball. Yeah, like I said, they're just unbalanced. They don't the the construction of this of this defensive unit. It's lacking that that stout player for early running downs or you know short yardage situations. Um, luckily, we have Max who can just beat a block no matter what, and he gets a lot of tackles for loss. But without that, we don't have that presence in the middle. And um, the the defensive tackles that we have are, are mainly pass rushers, uh, you know, especially the ones that were playing, you know, previous, like Tillery and um, uh, Nichols. And those guys are more pass rushers than the run stoppers. Uh, so – I mean, hopefully, uh, uh, Jade Silvera it gets you know keeps it going, and he's able to you know show a little bit more of what he can do. He was one of the guys in uh, in, in in the video smoking a cigar. He had his own video, and he's like, "Man, I couldn't even see the field before," and he's in there just like just gobbling up double teams, and yeah. it it makes a huge difference, man. When you have one of those guys, because people who know what they're looking for, you know. They, they can appreciate that, right? I think everyone watching here knows football, right? So you can appreciate a guy that every time you see him, he's, yeah, he's getting blocked, but that means another guy is not getting blocked because, yeah. you know, he's eating up double. And that's you know, one of the things that I talked about a little bit about while I was, you know, a little bit wary about um, Littleton because he had, he had two defensive tackles in front of him just eating up two blockers apiece, sometimes even three with Donald. So he was able to run like, like, hair on fire crazy you know, like no one was blocking him mm-hmm. so if we can figure something like that out i think we can get a lot of uh bernie is fast man bernie all we have to do is get two aaron donalds that can't be too no hard. no no i didn't say that <laughs> uh, but, but, but bernie's super fast man and he, he can get to the point uh he he's a, a former safety so he's going to be a little bit rougher you know getting off blocks but if you can eat those blocks up i mean him spillane spillane's hard-nosed uh, I'm, I'm starting to like the more I hear about him, the more I like him. I, I, I liked him coming out of this last season because I think he played really well once he was able to start uh, for the last you know five or so games. But I think he's showing a lot more um, competency in, in, in pass coverage right now. Well, and, and there's a lot to what you were saying about how you know Severa wasn't even seeing the field and now he's smoking a cigar. Like there's something about being grateful to be there that gets a level of effort. And that's another part of this was like Josh McDaniels is like very Patriot way. Like, I don't want to play rookies. Just don't want to play rookies. Like Michael Mayer was barely seeing the fields, very barely seeing the field. Like guys just aren't seeing the last year, like Zeus didn't get any touches. I guess maybe we know why now. Cause he's not good, but like just kind of like the thing. And now it's like Pat, or, uh, Antonio Pierce is just like best guy, best guy, your plan. And there's a level that you get to these guys. That's that like when you're grateful to be, remember the movie Hoffa, Jack Nicholson yeah. is yeah, yeah. great. One of Jack Nicholson's best roles. Awesome. Danny DeVito's the like short, like muscle. It's so great. Uh, he says a line, like he just took over the Teamster union and he goes to his assistant. And he's like, here's a list of all the people to fire. When there's a new regime, you get rid of everybody at once. So the people that are still there are thankful that they didn't get fired. 
and they loyal to you. And that always stuck with me. That's kind of the same thing here. It's like, look, how Silvera is like going to be loyal to Antonio, to Antonio Pierce, right? These guys yeah. are getting these, getting these times and they're like, man, this guy, this guy got me here. Like he, he gave me the opportunity as opposed to like, I bust my butt and now I got here. It's like, wow, like this regime, this coach, I'm thankful for this guy. And those are the guys that play hard are guys that like not cocky, you know, like, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm the best. It's just like, Oh man, like he did me a favor. It's not true, but that's like, they have the feeling of they did me a favor by having me on the field. That's how you get the most, you can get the most of the guys that way. Well, yeah. Another thing too, is you, you take a look at like Jenkins played, I think a lot more than he normally plays. Mm-hmm. And for sure, Jade Silvera played a lot more than he's used to playing. That goes to show you, there was a lot of favoritism going on because if the position coaches who are now being able to pick who plays more often now, it's like who was listening to the, they weren't listening to the position coaches. It's like, okay, I I want, I want the guys that I want to play. I don't want the other guys. I want these guys. Mm. And now it's like, okay, who who are the guys that can do this? Right. There was a, a a mic'd up with, uh, with uh, coach um, Antonio Pierce where he asked the, the, the offensive line coach, Carmen Brasilio, he's like, I want to run the ball two times. Can 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 we get the ball? Can we score a touchdown if we run the ball twice from, from here? And he's like, Yeah, we can do it. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. That's the kind of thing that, you know, that's the kind of you don't have to be in control of the offense. You have to know who to ask. Because mm-hmm. you ask the offensive coordinator, he doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't coach the offensive lineman. Like, oh yeah, these plays will work because they think every play is gonna work, right? No, no, you ask the offensive line coach, hey. Can we move these guys for two plays to score a touchdown? I'm gonna, I want to run the next two plays. And well, the first play ended up getting a touchdown, but that's that's the type of mentality that I like, the kind of thinking and the thought process I like. He, he knows where to ask and who to ask for the, the right the right people to ask to make these decisions. You know what I love most about Antonio Pierce? How he got busted for recruiting violations at Arizona, Arizona State. Because remember, it was like, what? Oh yeah, big time. It was, it was big time. Yeah, he was. It was COVID recruiting violations, which is the dumbest regulation. Like, if there's any regulation, I have no problem with you breaking. It's COVID recruiting, like NCAA COVID. Re- it's not like he killed somebody or stole or like or sabotaged anything. It's just like I was extra nice to high schoolers who were wearing masks. It's like. That's the kind of stuff that like people will turn down. But for me, I'm like, I like that kind of cheating. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to put extra effort in when they're trying to like bureaucracy, what we're doing. That's the kind of stuff. Be like, that's not going to be a black mark on a resume for me. That's going to be a plus. It's like, okay, that you did get caught. I don't like cheaters who get caught. That's he even kind of really didn't right. Like all his underlings got rolled. Yeah, yeah, and kind of resigned kind of and like disappeared, and no one wanted to deal with it. And he's like, "Guess what? I don't want. I don't. I don't work here anymore. Sorry." Yeah, he's he's like, he, I guess technically, he didn't get caught, and then he ended up getting promoted to the NFL anyway, so it ended up being better for him. Like one of those. And it's like, what, what did he actually do? Like, it wasn't the freaking you know Rick Patino hookers in Louisville thing, you know? Like, it wasn't anything like that. It was during COVID. You weren't supposed to have recruit like uh, re- potential recruits on your campus, and he did. That's it. That was it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm bust up a pitchfork and torches for that. I'm in for that. But you know what? 
keep AFC. I'm out of here. Yeah. Raiders. You just watch. I'm going to be head coach of the Raiders in five years. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Look who's laughing now. <laughs> whoa, ho, ho, ho. Uh, in Raider news, I feel like I'm the only one that talks about our kicking unit in all of Raider Dumb, but I'm going to keep doing it because they're just that good. And if I won't love them, who will? AJ Cole, the quietest record ever broken, set a single game NFL record against the Giants. 63.6 yards per punt average. The highest single game average in NFL history with a minimum of four punts. S- over half a football field average in a game where we were scored 30 points. That's such a big deal. That's if you're able to go for like an average, like, you know, what's an average punt? 40? High 45 30, around there. Right. That's basically saying we just took away a 20-yard play of yours. Like if you just made like a 20-yard pass, we immediately taken that away out of the gate. Like out of, like right just eliminate a big play out of yours out of the gate. That's how Now I'm with you where like all right, is punting the biggest thing in the world? No. But if you're the best punter in the world? Oh yeah. It's that's great. the difference. Like that's that is a if you're the if you're the the seventh best and you get the sixth best, it's probably not going to change. But if you're the best record-breaking punter, someone has to give this guy his flowers. It's going to be us. So when you go in against an offense like the Giants had, right, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great offense. What do you do? You leave no doubt, right? You make them work the entire field every single possession. You make them work the entire field. This just offense didn't look good at all. Against Chargers, knock on what doesn't happen to us. You know, they don't wake up against us. Yeah. But if we do that, regardless of who they have on offense, because they have some good players, you know, Wilson, you know, Hall, they, they have some players on their team. But if we're able to force them to drive like the length of the field every single time, you know, it, it could it could get demoralizing after a while. You know, like they have to work so hard to get to the 50-yard line to get into field goal range, just like they're grinding out. It's like they have to have an, a nearly perfect drive just to get in the field goal range because, you know, Zach Wilson is their quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, the next time, okay, we can just get a stop. We got a field goal. Let's get a stop. And you, we kick them all the way back to, like, inside the 10. They're like, dude, like, again? We got we can't even get, like, a break here. And you give bad offenses a, enough opportunities to hurt themselves. Oh, yeah. Too. Like there's some terrible, like we're playing some terrible offenses. Like you want Zach Wilson to be in third and long as often as possible. That's a great place for the Raiders. Oh, he'll give you a couple. He's you like, know what I mean? that, that's the Brett Favre in him that they were talking about the Brett Favre. He's like Brett Favre. Yeah. That like that, the interceptions. That's a, that's how he's like Brett Favre. Like if you can, if you can have him in third and long on their own, like 20, <laughs> a couple times a game, like that's a great, that's a great place. And so like, you know, we Special teamers, kickers, they don't get no love anywhere, but you're going to get them here on the autumn windbags because they've already. Oh, show. Uh, also in Raider news, I don't know. I, I can't imagine this hasn't happened before, but I've never heard of it. Antonio Pierce did this with the practice squad. Yeah, practice squad players on the, on the sideline <clears throat> yesterday. If, yes. if that is the case, um, why was that important for you to, to have them down there on the field? They, they, they got the Raiders uniform. Them guys bust their tails, you know, last week was just two days. This week it'll be three days, and they're giving us looks both on offense, defense, special teams. They're working out in the morning. They're in the meetings. They're in everything about it, but then on game day, 
where are they? I, you know, I don't, I, you know, that wasn't my belief. Um, I've been at other places, either as a coach when I was in high school or college. Every man's in, man. If you're on a team, you're a part of the team, you're there on game day. And I, I just felt the way that we practiced those two days and what we asked them to do, they deserved to be on our sideline. They earned that right. And I hope they don't stay on practice squad. I hope they push themselves to become on the active roster. And that was the carrot I dangled in front of them. And they brought energy on the sideline. Now, it was a little, a little busier than we used to, than I'm used to. But you know what? I'll take it when they bring that kind of juice that they did. Now, he kind of touched on, like, I guess if there's any downside to it, the only one is this, like, maybe the sideline is just busier, right? Like, you need to be able to get around. Like, other than that, I thought it was like a rule. You couldn't let practice squad, squad guys on the sidelines because it makes no sense to not. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't. Like, there's agents, there's water boys, there's trainers, there's media, there's, like, passes for all kinds of stuff. How about a dozen dudes who – like their job all week was to sure. mimic the opposing team. Like, wouldn't you? They're almost like extra coaches. They're like there every like- step of the way. They're working out. They're in the meetings. They're practicing. Like they do everything the the the, the regular uh, roster players do. It's like it's like it's like the third string quarterback who's just like you know I'm I'm just there as like almost like an extra like a coach intern kind of like you'd want that. Like hey, this is the you know I've I've been mimicking Brees Hall all week. This is how you know oh. He does this when he's cutting outside or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. I've done all that that research. Like you'd want, I know, I know, obviously, because Antonio Pierce, because he's a coach, he's going to give the coaching answer, motivation. They earned it, right? Like you said, dangling the carrot for the practice squad guys to keep working hard to hopefully they make the squad and see the field. He's saying the right things for the audience, but I think the real answer is you've got another dozen guys that know what they're know what they're seeing, know what they're talking about. Why not? It makes sense, man. It makes a lot of sense because you get you know, more more encouragement when the guys come off the field. Let's say the position coach doesn't get to a guy. You have a guy that's been practicing with you and in the same meetings the entire time reminding you of shit. Yeah, there's another one. That's twice. Uh... Oh, hold on. Hold one. Holding. Boop, boop. Roger, holding. All right, up to thirty-one dollars now in the swear Don't jar. Call me radio, you're going back ahead. Ready to do some what it winbacks? Yes, sir. Jeremiah Rose, forty-six eighty-one. I accidentally put in here three Jeremiah Rose ones because he had so many good ones. Like, okay, that's that's too many, but he's been crushing it in the comment section. So I took this one. I like the LA Raiders feel of this game. Yes, it's not Oakland Raiders, but it was refreshing. Plus, I did not want to see a really bad performance and end up crying in my mommy's arms, a.k.a. Caleb. It did feel like L.A. Raiders, and very specifically L.A. Raiders. Not 70s, 80s Oakland Raiders. Not, you know, the 2000s Oakland Raiders. Not even the 2020s Vegas Raiders. Like, it kind of, it felt L.A. Raiders to me. Like, yeah, little, was, little kid was, RJ was- watching football. It was it was Mad Hood. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And I know why you put the Caleb one in there, right? You jerk. I, uh, I I I genuinely didn't. It was just kind of a little bonus. We got to think of a great of a bet that we're gonna do when US, USC plays UCLA. We'll make it a question of the day or something because I want it to be a good one. Man, look. Let, let let me give you some perspective here. Okay. This guy has to score every time. He has to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. His defense is that bad. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of pressure. And that makes it okay to cry. 
Sure. Why not? I'm, I, and I'm really not a big, like, you're not a man if you cry guy at all. Like, I've I've cried. You know the last time I cried? More sorry? August 2003, when my, my mom and my sister dropped me off for college, and they started crying. So I couldn't help it either. Like, when the women in my life are in tears because they're going to miss Wait. me, it got me. You didn't cry after Moonwalker? No. Not in the locker room? I, I throw giant pity parties. Like I'm throwing, like when I lose in fights, I throw stuff. I'm whining. I'm a terrible loser. But like, hell, crying? Me and Frankie almost cried. Yeah. I remember I took you out for your birthday. We went to, uh, went to Naples Rip Company and you were all jacked up still. I was supposed, I was supposed to go to my buddy Scotty Oda's that I wrestled with in college. His bachelor party was that weekend. You couldn't fly, right? I couldn't fly. My hand was broke. My hand was broken. My face was all beat up. I was going to go anyway, but I just, I just couldn't go. I was so beat up. Yeah. I remember the freak waitress walks up. She's like, oh, damn. Oh, God, what happened to your face? I knew it, Richard. Not so much here. I'm fine. I, fe I fell. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, yeah, you fell, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He fell. No. He's fine. No, he fell, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is my thing on crying. And I think this is what people don't, don't understand about men crying. Okay, it's here. It's not that you're a wimp or loser if you have emotions. What's the only thing that concerns me about crying is, is that a symptom of if I'm in a foxhole with you and we're facing the worst of the worst, are you going to be able to rise to that moment or are you going to whimper in the corner? If, if, if this house starts burning down right now, are you going to help me get the, the women and children out of here? Or are you going to tuck tail and be a coward? That's what I think that's the core of like men crying comes from. But then it's grown into something so much bigger. Whereas like if you cry at a sad movie, you're a loser. Or if you cry at a wedding, you're a, a loser. Like, no, 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 no. Have emotions. Crying, crying's fine. The only thing is I want to be able to count on you as a man in times of urgency. And crying doesn't mean that one way or the other. It's just I want to be able to count on you. That's my thing. Yeah, man. It was uh, – emotions are weird. Like they they pull a lot of stuff out of you because it's not uh, – when when there's like a, a – uh, like a traumatic event happening, right? It doesn't have to be happening to you but just happening – and it, it hits you like it takes you back to something, and 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 even like so, I've I've saved I I, I told these stories before. I've saved three people, three people's lives, mm. one guy twice. But the one that I saved him in Nashville, uh, I got really emotional afterwards because I you know I saw him on the ground, you know, like out cold, his head busted open, bleeding everywhere. We got him to the ER. And I kind of just like sit back for a second, like, man, if I didn't, if I didn't think of that moment, like if I got distracted by something else, you know, like if a big booty walked by or something, I was like, oh, well, let me holler at this chick or whatever. And I didn't think of like, man, you know, where's my buddy? Like, I haven't seen him in a while. And if I didn't go check on him, what if I was like, oh, I don't want to go out. I'll just text him and I'll go back to my room. Like he could have been there for a really long time. So yeah, that's the, like that stuff went through my head at the time, and it was like just a bunch of emotion coming out. That's the perfect example of what I'm talking about. When you were needed, 
you sprung into action. You, 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 you uh, come, right? I, I grab somebody. I grab somebody out of the cab. Like, no, nope, I'm taking this cab. And the like, judge's like, buddy, no, buddy, buddy. I'm like, no, dude, take me to an ER right now. Emergency. When it was time to act, you manned up to control the situation and you saved a life. And then when it was over, you dealt with the emotions, the, the, the extreme emotion of seeing one of your best friends in peril. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You want to hear the weird part? And be like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, he's hurt. Like, no, you sprung into action. And because of the gravity of the moment afterwards, you let it out. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So he got an IV, right? When they were like, they like stitched him up and he got an IV. And he's like laying like, he looked like he was dead. He was laying on, on the, I had the pic, I have the picture somewhere. But he's laying on the on like the hot like the hospital bed right in the ER, and he's got like a a, a blank a sheet up to his neck right, and just sitting there. And they're like, "All right, come on, buddy, let's go. It's time to go." And he just pops up. All right, let's go. <laughs> he was like totally sober. He had like he had like all this IV back. He was more sober than ever, everyone else. Dude, dude IV best cure for a hangover. Like that immediately. He had like have three that, bags. They gave him three bags. Have the Raiders ever made you cry? <sighs> No, I don't think so. Not they, cry. I've been pissed, but I haven't cried. They never made me cry, but I remember like they made me take edibles for the very first time. Ah, when Derek Carr broke when Derek Carr broke his leg on Christmas, I'll never forget it. We were at Michael's Bar on Golden West in Huntington Beach, thanks to Golden West College, where I went. Yeah, I know that is. And it was there was me, wife, and wife's friend Kelly. We're watching Sorry. the game, and it you remember it's 2016. We're th- 12 and 2 11 and 11 and 3 at the at that time right we still win the game Derek Carr breaks his ankle MVP season over we're not like I didn't know at the time but we weren't going to win the division now lost the next you know lost the game last game of the season lost the playoff game we all remember right and we're being so pissed I was just like getting drunk we finally get home and I'm just being a dick to my wife just being a raging jerk to the mother of my child. I'm like, give me a drink. I'm not drunk enough. Just being a dick. She's like, I'm not messed. She's like, oh, you're not messed up enough? Here, eat this. Handed me a 20 milligram edible. So I'm like, okay. Rip it out of her hand. Throw it in my mouth. I never even smoked weed in my life to that point, let alone took to the house a 20 milligram edible. 90 minutes later, I'm sitting in my living room couch thinking, how am I going to get to my bed? So I get up. I'm walking through my living room, stepping over invisible obstacles. There's nothing on the floor. Nothing. But I'm high stepping over nothingness. I finally get into my bed, and I swear I thought I was going to fall out of bed to my death. Like I thought I would fall so far, like off a canyon, I'd die. How was my bed so high? <laughs> like who put my bed on the Grand Canyon? So I just go face down, right arm around the bed, left arm around my wife, and just white knuckled it until I woke up in the morning. So the Raiders never made me cry, but they made me do that. Yeah, I think when that happened, I just like went back to like childhood trauma, and I just like 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 blanked out. I just had like a no affect to my face. It was just like. I was like that for literally a good, a good six, three weeks. Like six hours of your life disappear in like three weeks are just murky. Just blotches, you know. 
I think I I think I would cry if the Raiders won the Super Bowl. I would. I would. I sure. think I think I probably would. Just I, I would be I would be obnoxious. I think I would just be grateful. I really don't think oh, I. No, no, no. I would throw it in everyone's face. Really? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I would. I think I would be so happy that even like my but like Charger buddies and Bronco buddies. Like I, I feel like I would be so happy. I wouldn't even want to. I would be asking be random wrong. people. I would be asking random people on the street. Hey, who's your favorite football team? Oh yeah, F that <laughs> team. <laughs> you know who's be- not as good as that? You know who's better than that team? Raiders. Oh God, I'd be so obnoxious. I feel like I feel like it would just be overwhelming joy. But well, there's that. Yeah, of course. I could be. I've been I've been a dick for much other reason for many other reasons, but I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think I'd just be like, like I just like probably what it feels like to take heroin. Like the way I've heard heroin being described to me, where your body just fills with warmth and it's like a three-hour orgasm, but not sexual. I think I would just feel that. Can you have an orgasm? While on heroin, I don't know. That would be that would be a trip. It, let the Raiders win the Super Bowl, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you if you can. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, DB Cooper, eighteen seventy-five. The head coach should be a leader in all caps. Have the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator do their things and let the head coach lead. From all reports, AP has that. Also, he isn't trying to implement a new system or culture. He wants to reinforce the Raider way i mean that's what we've been talking Talked about, about earlier yeah. that's that's what we're talking about now again as a, as, a, as a mild warning i don't want because we swung so far one way with josh mcdaniels where he was just x's and o's zero leader that we looked for something so far the other end right like we still want a well-rounded coach and not saying antonio pierce is one or the other i'm just saying like in general it's like i think i gave the example last show like you were dating you know a chick that's great with no tits and then you break up and like, all you care about is finding a chick with double D's. It's like, no, double D's are great, but let's not just like swing recklessly to one end and just have prize. Let's still make sure we got the total package. And, and Antonio Pierce could be that guy. Let's give her my total package. Uh, last one, Casey Carter, three, three, five, the Jim gray connection. We're talking, this is the video of how, um, they're saying Jim Gray has this is a a consigliere for Mark Davis. The Jim Gray connection may come from Dana White, UFC president. I've always felt like he is a big player in that no one that no one mentions. He's tight with Brady and the Patriots people, and I think Davis wanted to be in that inner circle. Do we know the genesis of the Jim Gray Mark Davis connection? Because I think it goes way beyond. I think it's a Brady thing. I don't think I don't, I don't think this Jim Gray thing is like something that's that's been happening for years Brand and years. New? I think it's fairly new. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fairly new. Um, I mean, I'm not a, a super huge fan of it. I understand why he would want to talk to Jim Gray. I know that Tom Brady really respects him. I know that he's a respected journalist by some, hated by others. Um, that Dana White thing could 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 be something. Um, it just, you know, the whole Dana White brokering the, you know, the story of him brokering the deal for Brady and, and Gronk to come over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that that could be, you know, 
going to Vegas and you talk to the Vegas players, you know? I mean, look, you, you can never, I mean, no matter how successful, like the most successful people in the world are the people that are willing to learn from everyone and everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you think Jim Gray is, you know, the gospel or not, I'm sure he's got information that you could use that's valuable. It's just, maybe it's just his haircut, but I also feel like Mark Davis could just be, uh, just like pulled in directions. Like he can be swooned and he can be manipulated. Yeah. I have no, I have no basis for that other than just my gut that he could be that. And that's kind of why, like, it's kind of like the whole report, how Mark Davis was willing to give Tom Brady minority ownership of the Raiders for like 10 cents on the dollar, like whatever mm-hmm. it's worth. He was willing to give him like just way under pay for the amount that he was in. It's like, I can easily see Jim Gray being like, Hey, this is my buddy. He's like, Hey, imagine how much Tom Brady can bring. You should be paying him to have part of the Raiders. It's like, uh, we're also forgetting something too. We're forgetting the whole Jerry Jones connection because I mean, Al Davis told Jerry Jones, Hey man, take care of my boy. Okay. Make sure he doesn't, you know, step on his nuts too many times. All right. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's got it. He's got advisors outside of the building as far as like other, like, especially Jerry Jones. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he has his kind of crew of guys that are like business people and like in and out of sports who can, you know, he could bounce stuff off of. I think that that may have been something that he's trying to build in the Vegas area. Okay. Could be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, that's it for us. Uh, We will do a live show either Friday night or Saturday morning for the Jets game. You're Uh, busy Friday night, aren't you, sir? Oh, yeah, huh? Well, it's... Six my time, three yours, I think. Mm, okay, so it's going to be anyway. after. I'll probably be drunk. We should probably do Saturday morning. Let's do Saturday morning. <laughs> Tell me what you're doing. Uh, for anybody who's in the New York area interested, and you're going to UFC 295 at Madison Square Garden, or maybe you're not going, whatever. Um, we'll be at Legend Sports Bar in Manhattan. Me, Dean Thomas, former UFC title challenger, Anthony Smith, doing a live Sirius XM show. Um, come check it out. Come say hi. Get some drinks. Wear your Raider gear. I'll buy you a beer. Come oh, on, the UFC tab. Or a UFC tattoo. Whatever. Uh, and until then, knock on wood if you're with me. Okay.